Well, good morning, Citygate Church and all of our online guests. Here we are, week number six of the life of Elisha, living for a cause. I'm still stirred up about last week. I got so excited in that message about making room for the power of God in our lives and all those incredible principles. But today um, is a far simpler message, actually. Today, I've only got four points, but it's a... It's an incredible passage of scripture. And again, it's about this, this amazing man, Elisha. He's got a heart for God. He's got a heart for people. Wants to do anything he can to turn situations around. We're going to find out about the healing of the commander of the Syrian army. And um, it says in, in 2 Kings chapter 5, it says, Now Amon, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honourable man in the eyes of his master. It says, Because by him the Lord had given uh, victory to Syria... He was also a mighty man of valor, but this man had a disease. He had a skin disease, which meant he was untouchable. He was unclean. He was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids. They brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel who, who served Naaman's wife. Then she said to the mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Wow, what an amazing statement. This girl is on fire. This girl is stirred up, even though she's been taken captive, even though she's been stolen away from her family, from her, from her tribe, from her, her city. Uh, the most horrendous thing. It's easy to just read through these verses and not really get the, the horrendous, um, you know, situations that some people go through. She's stolen away, taken captive, turned into a slave, and yet here she is, still excited about the power of God and what God can do to her, you know, the person that she serves, that she's been taken captive to serve. Absolutely incredible. Let this really stir you today. Let it really challenge you with the compassion and the love and the power and the possibilities of what God can do whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. I love this girl. I think she's just fantastic. And she said, you know, the prophet would heal him. There's none of this. Well, perhaps we might pray and something might happen. She's absolutely definite. If, if he turned up, he could do something about this. You know, that was her conviction. That was the faith and the understanding that she had. And so it says, he goes in and tells the master um, and said, thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, well, go now. I will send to the king of Israel. So he departed and he took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 talents, sorry, shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. He was loaded up to go get his miracle. He was loaded up to go and get Elisha. And then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which says, now be advised when this letter comes to you, I've sent this um, um, servant to you that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill or to make people alive that this man sends a man to me for me, the king of Israel, to heal him of the leprosy. Therefore, please consider, he just wants to fight with me. He just wants to start a war. That's what he thought. So after Elisha, the man of God, verse 8, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he had sent, uh, um, he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Stop panicking, king. Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in 
Israel. Uh, again, I love these guys in the Bible. These are ordinary people. Yeah, they're prophets. Yeah, they're servants. But these are people. The Bible's clear. All of us are like the rest of us. But Elisha had this confidence on the inside. He said, stop panicking. Stop worrying, king. You send him here. I'll sort him out. You know what? I really believe that needs to be the confidence in the church. The confidence in the church of Jesus Christ around the world. Stop panicking. Start coming to church. Get involved with church. Of course, give your life to Christ. But get in contact with the body of Christ. We'll sort it out. Not from a place of arrogance, not from a place of we've got certain skills and abilities and we're special, but from the place of this, we're in touch with the living God, the God for whom all things are possible, the God that says, I will answer prayers, I will move with my outstretched hand, nothing is impossible with God and all things are possible to he who believes. Absolutely fantastic. So, he says, I'll sort out your problem. This sounds like King David when he was just a teenager. He said, I'll go get your giant for you. I've killed a lion, I've killed a bear. I'll go get your giant for you. I'll go deal with Goliath, even though he's twice my size and he's, he's skilled at warfare and I'm just a worshipper. I'm just a covenant child of God. I just keep sheep but I've got the name which is above every name. The name of Jehovah, the Lord who was, who is, who is to come, the Lord your healer, the Lord your provider, the Lord your peace, the Lord your shepherd, the Lord who is present. We have the Lord who is the banner of love over our lives. Come on, this is the attitude of the girl. This is the attitude of Elisha. Just get in contact with life and we'll sort your problem out for you. I absolutely love this. So it says, so Naaman, he goes um, with his horses and the chariot and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent out his servant to him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times. He said, go down the stream, the stream and get in there Get in and out seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and he went away and said, indeed. I said to myself, he'll surely come out to me. He'll stand and call on the name of the Lord his God. He'll wave his hand over the place or over my body or whatever and heal the leprosy. Are not, are not the streams in my in my nation, in, in the city of Damascus, are they not far better than the Jordan? That's what he's saying. He says, I can go and wash in them and be clean. So he turned and he went away in rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, listen to this, if he told you to do something great, would you not have done it? Or difficult or religious, or complicated, or where you've earned it somehow? How much more when he says something simple, wash and be clean. So he went down, he dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. He was clean, he was healed, the leprosy left. He returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and he came and stood before him and, the, and he said, Indeed, now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand. That was an expression that Elijah used a lot. Before whom I stand. That's where our authority and our identity comes from. 
I'm not going to receive anything. And he urged him to take him, to take the gifts, but Elisha refused. So Naaman said, then, if not, please let your servant be given two, uh, two great vats of earth, two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but only to the Lord. Yet in this thing, may the Lord really pardon your servant that if my master goes to the temple to worship there and he leans on my hand and I have to bow down in the temple of this false God, when I bow down to the temple, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. And then he said to him, go in peace. So he did. And he departed from him a short distance. What a powerful passage of scripture about keep it simple. That's what I've um, entitled today. Keep it simple. Um, of course, the Bible is an amazing, amazing book. It's not just a book written by men. It's a book inspired by the Holy Spirit through people to write down what they saw or what they heard or what was revealed to them. And there's some real, some real deep stuff in there. You know, don't just skim read it like a newspaper. As you get into God's word, as you get into the Bible, it really feeds your spirit. And the Bible says we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to teach us the deep things of God. And it says he has revealed to us the deep things of God. So I don't want in any way to insinuate that God is in any way shallow or simple. God is almighty God. He knows everything. He's, he's all the omnis, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. He is, he is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-seeing, all-understanding. He's got plans. He's got purposes. He's created everything. God is anything but simple. However, I do not believe that the principles of the kingdom are complicated. So often we complicate things. We make things far harder than they need to be, far more complicated than they need to be. And it's because we put up all these barriers, all these excuses, all these things. Can I just say this from, from God's word? And again, please don't take this the wrong way and say, well, it's all right for you to say this, Pastor Jay. Can I just say this? Healing is simple. Abundance is simple. Hearing from God is simple. These things are not difficult if we learn how to do it. If we learn the principles, you know what? It's not difficult to speak in tongues. It's not difficult to prophesy. It's not difficult. God does not expect us to be people who can jump over a hoop, you know, to run through hoops, to jump over things and really, you know, to get one small thing from God. You know what? As we read the Gospels, we find out how simple the gospel is. He says, repent, believe and be baptized. Now we want to complicate that and we want to drag in all of our past or drag in all of our circumstances or our feelings or whatever. But the actual gospel is really simple. The Bible says the gospel is the power of God to salvation. It's really simple. You don't have to have an education to come to Christ. You don't have to be a certain age or a certain understanding or a certain personality. It's simple. It's made available to everybody. 
Come to me, Jesus said, like the little children. You know, Sharon, my wife, she gave her life to Christ when she was seven years old. One of my sons, I can remember it as clear as day, was five years old when he gave his life to Christ. And at the same sort of age, five, six, seven years old, he believed God for stuff and God moved. Faith like a child, we use that expression. But so often as we grow up, we sort of complicate stuff. We throw in all these complications, spanners in the works. And today, I just want us you know, to understand, and that's why I've entitled it, Keep It Simple. Here we have the most amazing account of how God healed somebody that was unhealable. They had no answer for his situation, and yet God moved in power. And the big stumbling block for this man was just how simple it was. He said, surely it needs to be more complicated than this. Surely it needs to be more involved. It needs to be more difficult. It needs to be something that I've done to earn this or to get this. No, keep it simple. And the things of God really are simple. You read the word, you believe the word, you declare the word, you live the word. We complicate things by adding in other things in the process. Ah, yeah, but I don't feel like it. Ah, yeah, but you don't know what I've been told. Ah, yeah, but I'm the wrong age. Ah, yeah, but... And we throw in all the baggage. This is why the Bible says, lay aside the sin and lay aside the weights. Lay aside the baggage and run with endurance. Run with focus the race that is set before you. And I love this passage because it teaches us that not God is simple, but his kingdom operates by simple things. Forgive people. Oh, but Pastor Jay, you don't know how hard it is. No, forgive people. Go to God, understand you've been forgiven, but it's easy for you to say that, Pastor Jay. You don't know how hard it is to forgive. No, forgive people. Love people. The Bible says leap for joy when you're persecuted. The Bible says to jump for joy and to rejoice when people say bad things about you. You see, we've got to get back to the simplicity of what God says because we have to understand this. When God says it, there is power enough in the word he says for us to live that thing. You see, we don't live by our own willpower. We don't live by our own education or or our own ability. We don't live in the things of God, I should say, by these add-ons. We live in the kingdom of God and by the things of God, very simply, by hearing the word of God and obeying the word, doing what it says. Now, we know there's a struggle. The apostle Paul said, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. But then he says, there's an answer. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for those who have been set free by the law of the spirit of life, from the law of sin and death. And he says, therefore, let your mind be set on things above. Let your mind be filled with the peace of God, not carnally, but spiritually. Let the mind be controlled by the spirit. And that's a journey. We understand this. That's a lifelong journey. And I'm not saying that the first day we, you know, give our life to Jesus, everything is just like a tiptoe through the park. But today, perhaps I want to undo some lies of the enemy that says it's hard work to be a Christian. It may be a life of endurance and there may be effort we put in. But you know what? The principles of the kingdom are simple. Faith is a simple principle. Love is is a simple principle. Rejoicing is a simple principle. You either rejoice or you don't. 
not because of how you feel or whatever, but because you're obedient to the Word of God. That's where the battle is. So today, let's talk about keep it simple. Principles to live by. Obviously, this is a healing example, but you can apply this to everything. My first point today is this. God loves everybody and healing is for everyone. God loves everybody. Healing is for all. Again, I've said with, I can apply this to everything, but this is a healing, a healing passage. Let's make it simple. Healing is for everyone. Now, that may throw up some questions as to why this didn't happen or why that didn't happen, but let's not complicate the truth. The truth of God's word is healing is for everybody. Now, we know that if we've given our life to Christ, if we're a Christian, a child of God, we receive an inheritance of healing, while people who are outside of Christ, healing is an act of mercy, is an act of grace for people who are outside of the covenant of health. We understand there's a difference, but God's heart does not change for those inside or outside the kingdom. Healing is for everyone. God loves everyone. So I need to say this, we have an inclusive God. Now an expression came out some years ago, the gospel of inclusion. The gospel of inclusion. And that was used to describe sort of a doctrine, I suppose, or a mentality in the church that, you know, people can belong before they believe which is a wonderful thing. I, I absolutely believe that God wants people to belong to the church, even if they don't believe yet, that the church is an inclusive place, that God is an inclusive God. He said, come to me, all who are, all who are weary. He didn't qualify that by saying, if you're this or if you're that. He said, no, anyone who's weary, come to me and I'll give you rest. All who come to God, he will not cast out. Everybody, these are inclusive terms. The love of God and the heart of God is inclusion. However, even though we have an inclusive God, we have an exclusive kingdom. Now, before I get onto the exclusive kingdom bit, the inclusiveness of God is vitally important that that is what's being said out the church. God loves Everybody. God includes everybody. Let's not be a church. Let, I don't want to be a believer that puts up hurdles and stumbling blocks in front of people for them to come to Christ or to live their Christian life. The Bible is really clear. Don't be a stumbling block to other people. Don't put stumbling blocks in front of other people. The Bible talks about how Jesus talked to the Pharisees and said, these guys are hypocrites. They stop people coming into the kingdom. They're not going in themselves and they stop others coming into the kingdom. You know what? Let's have the doors of the kingdom of God, the church, let's say, wide open that whoever wants to come in, they don't have to jump through hoops. I've said this so many times. You know, however people come into, whether it's a service or into a small group or into the environment of the church, let them never feel like they don't fit. You know, because of their life, because of their lifestyle. We absolutely serve an inclusive God. And here, 
we have the commander of the enemy of Israel. The enemy of Israel, the Syrian army, are the ones that, that fought against Israel. In fact, the next chapter you find, and we're going to be dealing with this in a couple of weeks' time, how the, the Syrian army come against Elisha come against the people of God. Absolutely crazy. And yet here we find Elisha healing these people. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. The love of God and the grace that Elisha has to want to heal the, the servant and the commander of the king of the enemy. And it was king to king. We have the king of Syria talking to the king of Israel saying, oh, he just wants to start a fight with me and all this sort of stuff. And I don't think Elisha just healed this man to stop a war. Absolutely not. This is the love of God in action. The Bible says, do good to those who persecute you. Pray for those who curse you. Don't throw stones at them. So somebody speaks against you, don't expose them. Somebody, you know, complains against you. I can remember I used to work in a, a job in London and, and somebody there, they just absolutely hated. That's a strong word, but it seemed to me they really hated me. Part of it was because I was a Christian. Um, I think that was the main thing, actually. This was a spiritual battle. And she, she absolutely hated everything I stood for. I've used this testimony so many times. And you know what? You know, she... Uh, complained to the boss. I was in a massive company, a thousand staff, an international, almost a monopoly of a company. I mean, this company, I can't say obviously who they were and all the rest of it, but, but this company, you would know of them. And I used to work there and she complained to the boss and I was hauled in for things I hadn't done and, you know, and all this sort of stuff. But you know what? Let's keep it simple. In all of it, don't get an attitude. Love those who persecute you. Pray for those who curse you. Leap for joy when people say bad things against you. Let's just keep it simple. In an age when everybody wants to condemn everybody else, point the finger at everybody else, throw stones at everybody else, I'm calling you out on Facebook or I'm calling you out on the internet or I'm calling you out, I call this out. And it, it, it absolutely drives me nutty. This is not the principles. These are not the principles of the kingdom. The kingdom is, okay, this is an enemy. God loves them. Let's heal them. Let's do good to those who curse you. I'd like to ask myself a question so many times. If how I treat somebody means I'm disqualified from giving them the gospel, let's say I have a row with somebody, something goes on in a shop or on a road or something, could I straight away turn around afterwards and say, you know, um, uh, to tell them about God's love and can I you know, talk to you about salvation. If I've disqualified my ability to give them the gospel, then I have acted in an unkind way. I've done the wrong thing. So that's just something to think about really. Come on, that's not saying the church needs to be a doormat but I, or the Christian life just needs to be some wet thing where we don't have any grit or guts on the inside. That's not what I'm saying. But come on, the Bible is really, really, really clear. Our gospel is an inclusive gospel and God loves everybody and healing is for all. The second thing is the answer is in the kingdom of God. The answer for this problem was in Israel. There is a God in Israel, was said. Now, we don't, obviously, we understand the power of God's covenant with the children of Israel even today, absolutely. But can I say this? The answer is in the kingdom of God. The answer is in the kingdom of God. And everywhere we go, you know, Jesus said to his disciples, everywhere you go, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You can get hold of this. The answer is in the kingdom. 
The answer is in the kingdom. Now, I've already said that the gospel is an inclusive gospel, but this is where the rubber hits the road, really. The kingdom is an exclusive kingdom. What do I mean by that? There is only one way into the kingdom of God, and that is to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You see, there's no exclusion because of who you are, the life you've led, the things that you believe or don't believe. There's no exclusion to the kingdom other than this one point. The Bible says, repent, which means change your mind. It doesn't mean to say fall on the floor and start crying and all the rest of it. It just means change your mind. Turn away from living away from God and being sinful, doing your own thing and believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That is the only way into the kingdom of God. God's love is inclusive, but the doorway into the kingdom of God is exclusive. If you believe it, you get it. If you don't, you won't. Now, the problem is we've made the kingdom inclusive along with the message of God's love. So what has happened so often is that we've been so inclusive for people, which is absolutely right, that sometimes people don't even know they must be born again. See, there must be a clear gospel that you must be born again. You've got to give your life to Jesus. It's not just come and be a part of our gang. Just come and enjoy this and come and be a part of it. Of course, there's a journey for everybody. Belong before you believe. But there must come a point of believing. And the answer is in the kingdom of God. The answer is not just in being positive. The answer just isn't in, you know, clean your life up. The answer for healing for abundance, prosperity, for peace, for joy, for love, for faith, for patience, all of these things is only found in one place and that is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That, he said, I'll pray in the name. He prayed in the name of God. Now I know, you know, that the guy says, I thought you'd wave your hand or do anything and pray in the name of your gods. Of course, Elisha was doing this in the name of Jehovah, the Lord, your healer, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer. But it's kingdom. It's kingdom principles. And there's only one way into the kingdom, and that is a relationship with God. Everybody can experience the benefits of the kingdom through mercy and grace. But to live in the kingdom, to be a child of the kingdom, can I put it like that, in the kingdom of God, it's, there's a great gulf between the two. There's the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And there is a divide right down the middle. You can't live one foot in and one foot out. You go from one to the other, from darkness to light, from lost to being found, from death to life. There is a change. You, you are born again as a child of God into the kingdom of God. I just want to make this really simple today. Let's not complicate the gospel. So keep it simple. Point number three I've, I've entitled, keep it simple. You see, God's principles are straightforward. They are simple. Let's not complicate things. There was a time in the Gospels where the Lord Jesus Christ said this, you guys of little faith, why do you reason and argue amongst yourselves about these things? He was basically saying, don't complicate things. Don't complicate the principles of God. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Let's keep it simple. In that, we need to be led by the Spirit. Of course we do, but let's keep the principle simple. Sow and reap, give and receive. Forgive, you'll be forgiven. Rejoice, pray without ceasing. 
Let's keep it simple. Let's not complicate things. Let's not, you know, go so deep. Yeah, we want to ask the deep questions and we want to understand the deep things of God. But let's not throw stumbling blocks and hurdles in the lives of people. So what complicates things? Well, number one, as I've just said there, arguments in a head. You know, Jesus said, why do you reason amongst yourselves? You know, yes, we need to debate and discuss stuff, but let's not complicate things. Let's find out how to keep it simple rather than how to complicate it. What else really complicates things is our feelings. Our feelings complicate things. Yeah, but I just don't feel like it. Well, we need to come to the place where we don't live by how we feel. We live by the simple word of God that is so simple a child can understand it. Other things that complicate things are religious traditions. There's nothing like religion to want to complicate things. You know, ah, oh, yeah, but to be healed, you've got to this, 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 and this. No, come on, just stand on the word of God and declare by his stripes I was healed. Be open to the Holy Spirit, what he wants to say. Perhaps he wants to address you about your diet. Perhaps he wants to address you about your exercise. Perhaps he wants to address you about how you forgive or don't forgive other people. All these things can affect absolutely. But in the simplicity of saying, I know it's God's will that I live a healed life, in the simplicity of that, let's be open to the instruction of God. Let's not get into religious traditions that want to, to, you know, to jump through hoops, really complicate things. What else complicates things in our understanding? Well, you know, something that often people want to complicate is the very character of God himself. And um, of course, God, I've, I've already said this, God is... It's incredible. God, you know, he can't be contained in our thoughts or our experience. God is almighty. God is all-knowing. We understand that. But the Bible makes some very straightforward comments about God. And God has said this about himself, remember. He says, God is love. And I can put in there, there's no fear in God. Perfect love casts out fear. God is life. And I could say there's no death in God. He's the source of life. Death is the enemy of God and the kingdom of God. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. These are very simple statements. They're profound, they affect everything, but they're simple statements. God is light, no darkness. God is love, no fear. God is life and there's no death. Let's not really complicate our lives and complicate our experience because what people do is they say, well, you know what? I prayed and it didn't happen. So perhaps God is light, but there's a little bit of darkness in him because this is happening in my life. So it must be God's will for it to keep happening. There's darkness going on. So God must have authored it. So therefore there must be some darkness in God. Can you see how complicated we've become? Can you see how we start to try to argue our way out of this simplicity? No, God is love and I can take that love and cast out all fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear, so therefore I won't receive one because the love of God has set me free from fear. God is light and how we walk in the light is that we forgive other people. We spend time in God's word and we are the light of God's word. We are the light of God in the world today. God is light. There's no darkness in God, so I take authority over darkness. I resist it. I shine the light through. His word is light. The entrance of his word brings light. So come on, let's be light focused, not darkness focused. And God is life. When God comes in, life comes in. Death has to leave. Let's see it in those simple terms. And then as we walk through this life, 
Where we find darkness, let's shine the light. Where we find death, let's bring the love, the, the life. Where we find fear, let's bring the love. So let's not complex, let's keep it simple. God is good. That's another one. God is good all the time. His mercy endures forever. Simple statements, profound effect, very straightforward. And the last thing today as we close is this. We are in the world, we are not of the world. You know, something that we could easily overlook here in this account is the response of Naaman after he's healed. He wants to give, you know, cash. He wants to give the gold and the silver. And Elisha goes, nope, you're not buying this from God. And we know there's a power in offerings. We've just covered that a few weeks ago. First fruits where our treasure is, our heart is. But this is not, so, you know, the king of Syria said, I'm going to go and control this situation. I'm going to buy this. You're going to heal that. And we gave no place to that. Elisha gave no place to that at all. You know, even the Lord, he went into the temple, he overturned the tables of the money changers, those who bought and sold in the temple. And he said, this is sinful. My house is a house of prayer. But along with that, there are offerings and tithes and all of that. So we understand that is a connection with God, but we don't get favor from God. We don't, you know, get the miracle because we pay for it. And it's absolutely not kingdom principles and priorities. So he had to do something here that absolutely, you know, saw that it was the love and the grace of God that did this for Naaman. But Naaman was so profoundly affected, he was transformed. He said, there is now, I, I believe, only the God of Israel. I can't stay here because this is where God is. This is his understanding. This is the kingdom. I've now got access to the kingdom. I believe I receive is what he basically did. If he'd been in the New Testament, he would have received Jesus Christ as Lord of his life in the kingdom. But you know what? He said, I can't stay in the physical land of Israel. I've got to go back and I've got to live around people of compromise. I've got to even hold the arm of people that worship other gods. And he said, when they bow down, I've got to bow down. But even though I'm doing it outwardly, I'm not doing it in my heart. And the Bible talks a lot about this thing, attitude of the heart. If you, you know, if you do things with your heart, it's as if you've done them physically. Um, and he's saying, even though I'm doing this physically, I have to bow down when the king bows down. I'm not bowing down on the inside. Even though I'm forced to on the outside, it's not an attitude of my heart. And that's a great, a great understanding. We're in this world surrounded by compromise, but don't connect your heart with the world. Don't connect. The Bible says to be friendship, uh, to have a, a friend of the world, is to be an enemy of God. See, where your heart connects is what's really going on in your life. And so he says something here, which is amazing. He says, I want to take a part of Israel all the way back to Syria. He says, give me two donkeyfuls of earth, two donkey mule loads of earth. I want to take Israel back to where I am. And today, we don't live in a kingdom that is a physical piece of territory. We love to be in person in church and whatever. But in these four walls is not church, is not kingdom. The people are the church and the kingdom is in our hearts. And actually, the kingdom of God fills everywhere because Jesus is king of everywhere. But I love this man's attitude. He said, if I can't stay here in the physical place, I'll take the place with me everywhere I go. 
And I want to encourage you today. If you've said yes to Jesus Christ, it's as if you're taking the kingdom with you everywhere you go. You may be in the middle of a situation that is far from Christian, far from godly values, but you're standing on holy ground. That was this thing. Israel was seen to be holy ground. And if he couldn't stand on holy ground, he'd take holy ground with him everywhere he went. Can I say in your office, you're standing on holy ground. In your school, you're standing on holy ground. When you go up the shops, you're standing on holy ground. You don't have to be in the physical church building, but the church goes with you everywhere you go. The kingdom is with you. Healing goes with you everywhere you go because you're standing on holy ground. We live now in the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Let's keep it simple. When a Christian turns up, the kingdom turns up. You know, Jesus said, as we live for the cause of Christ, he said, everywhere you go, bring the kingdom. Speak the kingdom. Heal people with the power of the kingdom. Leave the love of the kingdom. Leave the peace, uh, actually the word shalom, wholeness of the kingdom everywhere you go. If people receive it, leave some of the holy ground there. Everywhere we go, it's as if we can carry vats uh, of, of earth, of the kingdom of God, and everywhere we go, we don't just leave footprints, we leave some of the kingdom. Come on, friend, I want to encourage you to be an, uh, a person who keeps it simple. To be somebody who says, you know what, I don't have to do all the complicated stuff, I'm just going to keep it simple. I believe I receive my healing. I believe I receive peace in my mind. I forgive that person for what they've done for me. Speak it out of your mouth. Let's not complicate it. Let's keep it simple. And everywhere we go, Love people, shine the light of the kingdom of God, pour out the love of God himself, bring forgiveness, bring healing, bring wholeness, live for the cause of Christ. Don't be one foot in and one foot out. Let's be simple about this, wholehearted for God, on fire for God. You know what we do need? We need the help of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So let's pray right now, shall we? Father God, we, Lord, have seen from this incredible account of love where you healed the enemy of Israel. Lord, we understand that you are an amazing God, an awesome God. Lord, we sing so many times, our God is an awesome God. Lord, we see you as all-knowing, all-loving, all-forgiving, all-healing. Lord, we put all the alls in there. It's always your will to save someone's life. It's always your will to set someone free and open a prison door. And Father God, we take on that mantle today. We take on that identity today that everywhere we go, we take the kingdom with us. Even if we find ourselves in an office of compromise, in a school of compromise, in an environment of compromise where people are worshipping the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing. Lord, our hearts are connected with you. We are firmly standing on holy ground and we leave some of the earth of the kingdom everywhere we go. Lord, we thank you for helping us to do this. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you are our helper. We're not doing this through the ability to be strong in our own will, our own mind, our own emotions or our own strength. We're strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And Father, we thank You for it in Jesus' name. 
and everybody said, Amen. Friend, I want to ask you, with this inclusive gospel, it says anybody can come to Christ. Have you come through the door? Jesus said, I am the door into the kingdom of God. I'm the doorway. It says, it says, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path to life. That's an exclusive statement. Friend, you must be born again. You've got to give your life to Jesus. It's not about, am I a good person? Am I a religious person? Don't complicate it. It's very simple in the Bible. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Say yes to the love of God. Repent, turn away from living away from God. Change your mind. God's working on your heart right now, friend. And I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. It's a simple prayer. It just says, Jesus, I believe. Yeah, but what if I don't? Start saying you do. Change. Just make it simple. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to say, I believe this. And you know what? As you start to say it, something's going to change in your heart. So come on, why don't you pray this prayer with me now and God is going to show himself strong on, in your life, upon your life and on your behalf. Why don't you pray this with me right now? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've demonstrated your love through sending your son to die on the cross to give me life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I turn away from the way I've lived apart from you. I receive you today as my Lord, my Saviour, and my friend, by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I receive eternal life. Friend, if you prayed that simple prayer and you've mended it from your heart, you know the Bible has got some great news. The Bible says heaven is all rejoicing now. Why? Because you've been born again. You've become a child of God. You can say heavenly father now and he's actually your heavenly father. There's other things we'd love to talk to you about. I'm going to encourage you to get a Bible and read the Bible and you know to become part of a church somewhere if you're anywhere near City Gate, South East London. We'd love to see you here. But you know what? There's 5,000 churches in London preaching Jesus Christ as Lord and different styles, different experiences I know. But come on, plug in somewhere where you fit like a hand in a glove and you know all of that but friend we want to encourage you that God's a good God he's a great God and I want to encourage you everybody online today to do everything you can this week to preach the simple gospel of the kingdom and to do everything you can to help make other people's lives great God bless you I'll see you next week